on tape so they can be broadcast. Sometimes they make it, sometimes they don't, but anyway, that's all right. Let's start off with a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, I just want to thank you for this morning. Lord, I want to thank you for already working in this sermon and in this message and in this church today. Lord, I just ask you to be with us in Jesus' name. Amen. If you show up, and I know you have a talent, I may ask you to use it. I've known, I don't know how long I've known Gary, a while. I've known Gary for, for a while, and I knew that him and his family sing. So when he showed up this morning, I went, they're going to sing. <laughs> and then Reba says, that's great because we didn't have special music. See how, I want you all to notice how God works these things out. It's not just sometimes coincidence, okay? God sometimes has a way of working things out. All right, we're in 1 Peter chapter 4. Now, before I start this message, you need to understand some things that are going on. When Peter was writing this letter, Neo, Neo was in charge. He was the emperor of Rome. He was the, he, he was the, well, he was crazy. Let's just put it that way. He enjoyed soaking people in oil and then tying them to a stick and lighting them at night and using them for night door torches. Mostly he was doing it to Christian people. If he wasn't burning people at the stake, I mean having a party while they're burning, he was always feeding them to the lions. He was always trying to make sure and to get rid of them. Okay? He, he, um, it's really quite an interesting piece of history. While these people were burning at the stake, they were having big banquets of um, anything that you wanted to eat, anything that you wanted to drink, dealing with sex and everything else. I mean, they were doing more living than, than you could possibly imagine. And they were having these big parties and all this kind of stuff while these people were burning. Okay? That is the context that Paul's writing this letter to. And the reason I tell you that is because he talks about suffering and things like that. And I wanted you to know what he's talking about. What's interesting, though, is how it applies today. And that's, that's, that's always a good part of Scripture. Okay? Chapter 4, verse 1. For as much that a Christ, so much, then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind, for he that suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. He's basically saying, get yourselves ready. They're coming after you. Get yourself ready to say that I'm willing to die for Christ. I'm willing to suffer for Christ. I'm willing to lay my life down on the line for Christ. They're coming. They're going to... Okay, but we have to have the same mind. We today also need the same mindset. What, is, what has interested me over the last few years is simply this. Christians have become less and less bold, and the world has become more bold. We, don't, we have very few Christians anymore that are even willing to make a stand. I was talking to some Christians the other day, and they go, well, I'm afraid if I say something, I'm going to offend somebody. Really? You're afraid if you say something, well, yeah, we don't want to offend anybody. Yeah, we do. If we don't offend them, they won't know they're sinners. 
If we don't take a stand, they will see us as part of the world. They will see no difference in us than the rest of the world. The, the world right now is searching for truth. Believe it or not, it is actually searching for truth. And it's not finding it. It's not finding it because everywhere it goes, it's, it's getting a watered-down version of the truth. Okay? They don't see any difference in the church and what they do. They don't see any difference in Christians and what they do. They, they see it all as the same because there's very few people that are actually being bold enough to say, this is the truth. Now, that's what Paul's telling them. Okay, we have to have the same mindset. We have to be willing to say, okay, I'm going to lay it all on the line for Christ, regardless of what anybody else thinks, regardless of what any other people tell me, regardless of how people will reject me or accept me. I wrote a morning devotional this morning about sharing the gospel and about witnessing and that we become Christians and we fall into this tendency to hang around Christians and we don't even know the lost people anymore. That's part of the mindset. We have to put our mind, we have to put Christ and say, okay, God, how do you want me to be? Who do you want me to talk to? Give me a passion for the lost. Give me a passion so that if my life is in danger, I will say, go ahead, take me out. <laughs> go ahead. Shoot me for being a Christian. I Go ahead. I am a Christian. We need to have that mindset to be able to stand against the world and be a bold witness. If we don't, the world will never know about Christ. But they, won't, they just don't care. They don't want to know. There's a site, and I forget what the, I was going to write it down this morning, and I forgot to write it down. There's a web page, and it shows you all the mortars, all the people that are being killed that they know of for Christian beliefs worldwide. Did you know there's an average of 150,000 people dying every day for their belief in Christ? Not in the United States, but worldwide. There are people who come in and they take everything they own, take their home, take their houses, throw their wife and kids and husband to jail because they are Christians. Um, Landon, who was a missionary that came through here, that's what happened to him. He was a Christian in China. They were working on trees and planting trees and helping people grow fruit trees and things like that. The Chinese government came in and took all of his possessions. His wife and children were able to leave China. But Landon was in jail for six weeks, not knowing what was going to happen to him. Not knowing if he was going to be put to death. Not knowing what was going to happen to him. That's somebody we know. That's somebody who has spoken at this church. When we talk about being a Christian, it takes boldness to be a Christian. I, I love reading Watchman Nee. Watchman Nee was a preacher in uh, China. And um, because he was a preacher, they arrested him. To keep him from talking, they cut his tongue out. He started writing. And he started writing books. Well, they didn't want that to happen, so they cut his fingers off. He started writing with his toes. They cut his toes off. 
Everything that they did to him did not stop him from sharing the word of God. See, we, we should be so concerned about sharing the word of God that we're not concerned about our physical, what's going to happen to us. We really don't care what happens to us physically. We have a Redeemer. His name is Jesus Christ. He is Lord and Savior of them all. And he was willing to die for me. I should be willing to die for him. That's the mindset, okay? That he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh, but lust of men, but to the will of God. When we have this mindset that we're willing to die for Christ, our flesh, our human part, our part that keeps us from being what God wants us to be, has a tendency to die. If we walk like we're dead men, we have nothing to be afraid of. Stop, stop and think about it. If you're already dead, what can they do to you? See, the only weapon that the enemy actually has is to cause you to die without Christ, for, and then you go to hell for eternity. If we have already accepted Jesus Christ, we are already dead men. We've already used, we're not afraid to die. And we're not going to do something stupid, but we're going to be able to be bold and stand because we are already dead men. Can't do nothing to me. I'm already dead to the flesh. Bring it on. See, being a Christian in today's world is going to get tougher and tougher. And part of it has to be our attitude that I have already died in Christ so that he can live through me. This, this fleshy body, whatever this is, it is just here. It's what keeps me together right now. But I am already dead to my sins. I'm already dead because I live in Christ. It doesn't matter if they kill the body. They cannot kill the spirit of God. They cannot kill what the relationship that I have with Jesus. Okay? Now, remember, he's talking to people that are being burned to death, being burned alive, being fed to lions. How much more of the scripture means to them than it does to us today? Okay? For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of, God of the Gentiles. When we walk in covetous, lust, exceedings of wine, Revelations, banquets, and abomination adulteries. He's listing all these things that the Romans are doing <coughs> at these parties. They're, I guess you would call them, I, I, I don't know what to call them besides parties, would last for weeks, would last for months. They didn't care about anything, just having a big party. It's like living in a frat house. I mean, the whole time, it's just one continuous party. And, and that's the way the Gentiles were. Now, Jesus came, and he died, and the apostles are now preaching to the Gentiles. So he's addressing some people that were living this lifestyle. And he's saying, we are no longer... Like that. That was in our past lives. 
You, you used to be that kind of person. You used to be those people. But we don't do that anymore because we are living as Christians. We are walking as Christians. God has saved us from those situations, okay? Verse 4, wherein they think it strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking of evil, speaking evil of you. Because you have changed, your friends will not understand you. Most of us don't have a hard time with this. But if you live with a gang, well, let's give you a motorcycle gang. Let's say that you're a Hell's Angels or a, any one of those kind of groups, and you get saved. None of that group is going to understand what is going on in your life. They're still going to expect you to drink beer with them. They're still going to expect you to party with them. They're still going to expect you to do drugs with them. They're still going to expect you to do all the things you were doing before, and you're not going to do it because you're now a Christian. So what are they going to do? They're going to reject you, and they're going to do what? Turn against you. You're going to lose their friendship. Now, how much harder is it to go back to those same people and try to share the gospel with them. It's hard. It really is hard. It's hard to come from that lifestyle and share the gospel. It really is. Because you're putting your life at risk. You're putting your, you're putting rejection. You're facing all of these things, but you're doing it for the love of Christ. Most people that are going to the church have never come from that kind of lifestyle. We came from sin. Um, we, we were sinners. And sometimes our family doesn't understand that. But it's not like being part of a gang or being part of a group or being part of a sin fashion. Now, I, I, my family was a... How do I explain my family? My family were about as redneck as you could possibly be. My mom and dad were probably the only Christians in the family. Okay? Um, my family, did, they didn't really understand that. Okay? They didn't, it, it was hard for them to comprehend the rest of the, the rest of the family had a hard time comprehending. They respected them for their beliefs, but they had a hard time understanding why, why they, were, they were the way they were. Okay? That's the way Christians are. People just don't understand. Now, who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead? He's saying that these people that are making fun of you, these people that are putting you down, these people that used to be your friends, are going to have to give an account to God who is willing to judge the quick and the dead. Can you imagine standing before God having to give an account for all of these things that you've done against Christians. Having to give an account for how mean you treated somebody, how bad you treated somebody. Having to stand before God and say, well, here's the reason that I did it. I don't want to be in those situations. I don't know about y'all, but I, I don't want to be there. I cannot imagine standing in front of God who can judge the quick and the dead, giving an account of what I've done wrong of why I was the way that I was, okay? 
For this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. The gospel is preached. People hear the gospel so that they can either be judged as men of the flesh or live according to God in the spirit. I am glad that the age of five years old, I asked Jesus Christ to live in my life so that I can, be, can live according to God. I'm glad I didn't turn it down so I won't be judged in my flesh. Nothing in our flesh, nothing in our flesh is good enough to get us to heaven. There ain't nothing in, it, in our flesh. The, the problem that the flesh causes is that it, it keeps sneaking in and trying to make us think that we're good enough or better enough or we're better than somebody else and, and we're going to make it. I was talking to a man the other day and uh, he basically said, uh, well, I'm hoping that I've been good enough to get in. What? Well, why hope? He looked at me funny. I said, why hope? Either know you're getting in or know you're out, but don't hope to get in because that's a false thing. Well, I'm, I'm hoping to get in. Okay? It, it's false to hope. You either know or you don't know. Me and Kim just went on a, I went on a cruise and I don't have my vaccine. So I had to get a letter from the company saying they were going to let me get on the boat. I had to have insurance to let me get on the boat. I had to take a test so I could get on the boat. When we got there, I was still hoping I was going to get on the boat. I had done all the things they required of me, but they could still say, sorry, we're not going to let you get on this boat. You spent all this money and we're not going to let you get on this boat. When we get to heaven, it's not a matter of hoping. It's not a matter of saying, well, I went to church every time the doors was open. I read my Bible. I prayed. I shared with other people. I'm hoping to get in. You ought to know you're getting in. Your ticket ought to be punched. You ought to be there, and you ought to know that you're under the blood, and you're cleansed under the blood, and there's no doubt in your mind that you're getting in. Picture this. You're standing in line to get into heaven. This is one line. You don't want it to hurry up. Okay? You're sitting there going, oh man, I hope I make it. Oh gee. And then somebody comes by that you thought was going to make it and he's going the opposite direction. And now what happens to your hope? Now what happens to that? Okay? There'll be other people standing in line going, <laughs> I'm going to heaven. <laughs> oh boy. Can, can I be first? Can I move ahead in this line? I, I want to go first. I, I don't have it. I should have put it together this morning. There's an illustration that we use sometimes when we're working with kids. And um, there's a man standing there with a ticket in his hand. And this guy notices that everybody has a ticket. He doesn't. And he said, uh, uh, can I have part of your ticket? I don't have one of those. So the guy tears off part of the ticket and gives it to him. And he says, I don't think this is enough. Can you give me some more of your ticket? He tears it off again and gives it to him. He goes, man, we're getting awful close to the front. Uh, can I have some more of your ticket? 
Because I don't have one. He tears it off again and he gives it to him. Well, they stand in front of Jesus, according to the skit, and Jesus says, may I see your ticket? The first guy hands him, because he's torn it, it's not a full page, but it's a cross. And he hands him the cross. Jesus says, come on in. The second guy takes his little pieces of the paper, and when he spells it out, it spells hell. Uh, uh. See, we ought to know. We ought to know that we know that we know. Like I said, y'all come to my funeral, no. You don't, you, you don't have to say, well, I hope he lived a good life. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm a sinner. I am saved by grace. I didn't live a good life. I just happen to know Jesus. Okay? <laughs> don't tell you flowery things about me because I'm a sinner saved by grace, and that's all that matters. Anyway, all right. So he was preached to him. By the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober, watch into prayer. As we get closer and closer to the end of things that are going on, we need to be fully aware of what's happening around us. How easy is it to fall for the lies that are being spread around right now? How many lies are being spread every day? Have y'all kept trying to keep count of the lies that you're hearing every day? We need to be sober. That means we need to be fully conscious of what's going on. We need to be entering these times in prayer. We need to be watchful and prayerful because God is going to open doors for us that we're going to step into that are going to need to hear the gospel. Okay, it's like, um, how do I... It's like in some countries, it's illegal for Christians to meet. So what the pastor says is this. I want you to go home and pray about it. And God will tell you where the next meeting is and at what time it is. See you there. How many of y'all would make it to the next meeting? How many of you would go, um, uh, see, we can have such a relationship with God that all the Christians leave and they meet at the next place. They meet at the next meeting at the right time at the right person's house. Be prayerful. Be prayerful. You don't want to get caught up in listening to all the false rules and lies and other things that are running around. You don't want to go chamfering down the wrong path. You don't want to, you want to stay focused on who God is and what God can do. As the times draw near, we need to have an attitude that I'm willing to die for Christ. As the times draw near, we need to have a boldness saying, I'm going to do what God wants me to do. As the time draws near, we need to be prayed up so that we can be and do what God wants us to be when he wants us to do it. We need to be that prayed up that we go, okay, okay. Uh, oh, I'm just, I'm getting warmed up. Um, <coughs> above all, and above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall overcome the multitude of sins. Have love for one another. Have love for each other. When things get, get bad and things get tough and things, we need to love each other. What does that mean? 
That means we need to care for each other. We need to uplift each other. We need to be concerned about each other. We need to be willing to help each other. That's that's a that's a given. If we find somebody that has something and we can help it, then we ought to meet that need. We ought to love one another, be cheerful for one another. I, I know we're not even halfway through. Um, I'm going to skip down to a verse. Verse 11. If any man let him speak and the oracles God, if any man minister, let him do it as the ability that which God has given, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, in whom we be praised and dominion forever and ever. Amen. If, I, if I'm to speak, I need to be speaking the oracles of God. But what I want you to pay attention to, it says, if any man minister, let him do it to the best of his abilities that God has given him. God does not expect you to be perfect. But he does expect you to use the talents and the abilities you have to serve him. Gary and him came in this morning. I kind of knew they were coming in because they sent me a text message. And I was out praying about it. And I thought, you know, that sucker can sing. I'm going to embarrass him this morning. I'm going to ask him and his wife to sing. I had a piece about it. I'm going to ask them to sing. Because they have a ministry. They have that capability. Okay? They ought to use it for God. If you've got an ability, be willing to use it for God. Be willing to do whatever is required of it for God. And use it the best of your ability. I am not a great oracle. I am not a great speaker. I, I talk funny and I look funny. But it doesn't keep me from sharing the gospel to the best of my ability with the people that I'm talking to. God doesn't expect me to be perfect. If y'all expect me to be perfect, I'm not going to be perfect. I'm going to say ain't every now and then and I'm probably going to use words that you've never heard of before. Uh, one of my favorite words is humidified. That means humble and funny at the same time, okay? <laughs> I make up words. I'm a, I do splinterisms. The thing, though, is this. To do it to the best of what? Your abilities. Let's have a word of prayer. Then we'll have an invitation and we'll see where God leads us the rest of the day. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, I want to thank you for today. Lord, I want to thank you that we can get together and, Lord, that we can praise your name and worship you. Lord, I'm just going to ask that you be with us in Jesus' sweet, sweet name. Amen. Amen.